Almighty God, on this blessed day, it is Men's Day, remind us of the qualities of men and that we are really warriors, oh God, called to do battle with evil and injustice. Be with us in all that we attempt to do. Allow me to speak your word and decrease as you increase, oh God. May the words I speak bring you praise and never, never shame. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. First and foremost, let me give thanks to those awesome, awesome, awesome singers. Uh, I can't wait to uh, COVID breaks and we can go on the road. So thank you so much for the passion and the praise that you bring to the kingdom. This morning, I think a fitting subject, uh, fitting title for Men's Day, just responding to God's call, responding to God's call. Amen. When I graduated from seminary, uh, all the persons who graduated with me, we decided, who graduated in the same year, we decided that we'd meet once a month for mutual support, sharing ideas, and just to pray for one another. But the first meeting, the direction changed into a gripe session. And we talked about, we were so arrogant. We talked about having, you know, gotten our seminary degrees and uh, graduate with honors and how smart we were and the world I'd be glad to have us. Uh, we sat there and talked about, you know, the salaries that were so low and, and all that stuff. And we didn't think about whose shoulders we stood on. Yeah, we had seminary degrees, but we had so much more given to us by God. And the men that we followed, most of them didn't have, had to have a second job, uh, by, by vocational pastors. Most of them didn't get to go to seminary. When they did, it was one heck of a sacrifice. Uh, most didn't have the kind of insurance benefits we had. We were blessed and didn't have a clue. And we whined and complained about the salary and all of a sudden, the one man who was meeting with us was an older pastor. He stood up and I could hear the almost like thunder from heaven when he stood up because he never talked a lot. His name is Reverend T.E. White. Uh, some of you know him. T.E. White was a career soldier, bivocational pastor, came back home from war and serving God all abroad, came back home and decided to, uh, uh, we needed help in the United Methodist Church. He was an AME pastor, so he was on loan to us. But when T.E. stood up, people listened. And his voice broke as we whined and complained about what we didn't have. And he got up and he said, I'll preach for nothing. I'm responding to God's call, I would preach for nothing. And it changed me that day because my arrogance flew out the window. My attitude about who I was, because T.E. was one of the best preachers I ever heard, could illust illustrations to make you just think forever. But when he said I'd preach for nothing, that's what God has called me to do. It reminded me of, of who we are in God's kingdom. And it's never about the dollars. It is never about us. Whether you lay a clergy, we respond to God's call, first and foremost, if we know God. I love the text that Chucky read today. I love the power of the Old and New Testament text. In the Old Testament text, people are whining and complaining. 
God has been good to them. They're in the desert. They're whining and complaining. And they're complaining to the leader. Why can't we have water? Why didn't we stay? The New Testament text that, that, that wondering who has the authority, who has the power. And the text just reminds us, if you don't know where your power comes from, whether it's from men or God, you're already in trouble. We don't have the power to raise the dead. We don't have the power to make it rain. We don't even have the power to make crops come up without God's help. So it's God calling his sons and daughters to respond to the needs of the world. That when we're born, we live and we die. We're born, it's not just living and dying, it's what we do in the process, in the middle of that, what we do from the cradle to the grave, what are we called to do and how we respond. It's not a haphazard thing that I, the day I'll do something tomorrow I won't. It's a constant journey of servanthood. You know, I met this man in the declaration of who they are. It is about servanthood. It is not about just fellowship or fun and frolic. It is about serving God's people and doing what God has called us to do. And then they've been doing it and doing it well for decades. Who's, by whose authority do you go out and stand? It's the authority of the cross. It's the authority of God because you do it with passion and, and love and gusto. I, I watch the faces of the blue notes every time they sing because I see the love of God and the passion in who they are to be able to say it's just not about us. It's about our collective gifts raised in solidarity to say, yes, Lord, I will follow you. And are you listening to the music? Are you listening to the word of God? Are you ready to follow? And when you follow, can you say my authority comes from Jesus Christ? My grandmother reminded me of my, that authority. My great-grandmother, my mother, reminded me of the authority and who I need to lean in on and look to. It is never presidents and kings and queens. It is never senators or representatives. It, it is never congressfolk. It is the God who says to us, today may be a COVID-19 day. But tomorrow, my sons and daughters, tomorrow, the sun's going to come up. Tomorrow, you can shout in praise. And tomorrow, you can say, I came through the test, and I came through the desert, and I came through the pain. I, I watched my friends die. I watched my friends be revived. But whatever I watched, God was with me on the journey. I am never alone. And I recognize that my authority comes from God. One of the most painful incidents I've had to watch on TV lately was when our leader of the free world stood in the Arlington Cemetery and asked the question of the dead, what was in it for them? What was in it for them? How do you say that to somebody when you know that Men, families gave their sons, gave their daughters, gave their children to go to war to make things better. And somebody asked, what is in it for them? If you have to ask that question, you're not a Christian. Because it's never about you. It is about what you do for the kingdom and for people who are willing to go and die. And somebody says, what's in it for them? My God, my God, what a line, what a story to hear the leader of the free world say that. The Tuskegee Airmen fought discrimination, hatred, bigotry, 
to fly and fight for their country, knowing that a soldier's life is cut short, but knowing that when you're in the air and the planes were, didn't have the kind of safety mechanism, the planes were not like the jets, not like the planes now, when the planes were, were disasters themselves, sometimes a, a, metal, a metal casket in air. But the Tuskegee Airmen went through training, went through pain and humiliation to be able to go because they were called to the sky. They were called to do what they do and give their gifts for the Lord. I don't have to ask what was in it for them. I asked what was in it for the kingdom and their history and their legacy follows them. You can't listen to the story of one of the surviving Tuskegee Airmen and not be proud and not understand what it means to respond to God's call. There are days when I feel so out of sorts because I look at people like them and others and I have to ask the question, Lord, help me to do more. Am I doing enough? Help me not to make excuses, Lord. Help me to be able to say, help me, Lord, to be able to say, I have done your work. Help me not to hoard up my resources and, and pile it up and not use it to build a kingdom. Help me, Lord, to open my eyes and see people who are hurting. Help me, Lord, to look beyond the sign that says I work for food and see the depth and the soul, the person who's broken. Help me, Lord, to see my Vietnam veterans on the street and not just say that they could be working or doing something. Help me to realize that when they came home, we were not there to welcome and embrace them and make them feel like they were worthy of living. Responding to God's call means that with every fiber of your being, you're constantly looking around saying, Lord, what would I, what do I need to do? And the first and foremost, in order for the trip to pack up and do what God has to do, you got to have a heart pumped with joy. You can't be bitter. You can't be mad. You can't have malice. You got to have so much joy just in doing God's will. We got to get up in the morning dancing and shouting, Lord, what are we going to do today? Lord, what are we going to, who are we going to help today? Lord, who are we going to celebrate? Who are we going to give a ride to the doctor? Lord, who are we going to pray for? What can we do that's responding to God's call? If all of us, the seven billion people around the world, even one-tenth of us, worked on a constant basis to make the world better, you think about the joy we could bring. And think about the days when you, you think about the joy that you have in your heart and soul when you're doing what God has called you to do. You can sing the songs when you really feel them and you know that that's what you're living. You can preach it when you know that, Lord, you're doing your best. You can, you, can, you, you can live it when you know that, Lord, I wake up every morning saying, I just want to respond to your call and realizing that the storms are coming. Even when you serve God, storms are coming from the left and right and front and back of you. Storms are coming, disasters coming, pains coming, tribulations coming. But at the end of the day, God's gonna give us abundant joy, more joy than we've ever known. The sun's gonna come up, roses are gonna bloom, babies are gonna smile, and your friends are gonna love you, even when we don't deserve being loved. Oh, what a time. We live in extraordinary times. But the goodness is that we got extraordinary people doing great things for God. Got people who are quietly motivating 
and quietly going to schools and quietly going to hospitals and quietly loving folks and quietly. They don't need fanfare. They don't need uh, uh, 150,000 in a stadium. They don't need somebody calling their name constantly. They just need to know that when they close their eyes, there's gonna be a good God, a just God, waiting to say good and well done, thy faithful servant. Even when I fell off track, even when I got drunk and I should have been serving. Lord, even when I got on those drugs and I should have been serving. Lord, when I did something, when I stole and I shouldn't have. Lord, when I cheated and I shouldn't have. You did not give up on me. You kept loving me. And when my skeleton, when my closet is full of skeletons and I'm constantly banging on somebody else's door talking about them, Lord, you did not give up on me. This journey of grace is one toward perfection and you ain't gonna ever get perfect. But the fact that you're trying, the fact that you're living a life of trying and attempting. Think about the organization United Methodist Men and you can point to men who understand that being a warrior is not all about the, about the physical, physicality of it. Being a warrior is more about the heart being a warrior is how you affirm and make your wife feel like a queen. Being a warrior is how you make your children feel worthy. Being a warrior is how you have your friends' backs. Being a warrior is the sport you give to church. Being a warrior is the pride you take in just living in God's family. Being a warrior is giving your gifts to make the kingdom better. Being a warrior is saying it is about my brothers and sisters in the battle and not about me. And together, we can do anything. Uh, the movie Soul Food was so powerful when, when the matriarch mother said, uh, you know, one, one person can't do much. It's like the bundle of twigs. One twig is nothing. But when you put the twigs together, when you, one finger is not anything, but when you put all, put the, all fingers together, you can make a mighty fist to strike a mighty blow, which says that that's who we are, one finger. If you're standing alone, you, you ripe for the wolf pack. But when you stand together in solidarity, the, the, the evil, the hatred, the bigotry, all those things cannot come up on you because somebody has your back. Can we say that we, as long as we live, we were warriors. We live with integrity. We were warriors. We live with honor. We were warriors. We, we called on God to give us our support and we gave God the credit for every battle that we win. We were warriors for God and the cross is the ultimate, ultimate weapon we carried. The cross in our hearts, the cross stamped on our souls. And we kept asking the questions, Lord, what would you have me to do? Be able to say, I know God is to say that I walk with God on a daily basis. Be able to say that I know God is to say, Lord, I am responding to your call. It is not a, it is not a, a being a soldier in God's army is, is, is not part time. It's not just boot camp and it's all, it is a lifelong journey. When you say yes to joining the Lord's army, you stay because you know that you're needed till the end. You're needed till God calls you home to say, I was a soldier. I kept my eye on the prize. I was a soldier. I did what God called me to do. As we celebrate Men's Day, maybe reflection for men and women ought to be in order. If you had to plan 
and you will have to, if you had to plan your funeral, what would you want said about you? As you look back over your life and they write about your life in the obituary, what would you want said? It, you know, I, I'm amazed at how many say that he or she joined the church at an early age. Joining the church in the early age is fine. Joining the church as an old age is fine. But the truth of the matter is, okay, so you join the church at an early age or late, or whenever you join it, what will we say thereafter? Will they say, and that will they say that he or she had multiple degrees? He or she owned fine houses and land and cattle on a thousand hills, or he or she had 20 uh, 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 vehicles or, or 20 herds of cattle or or, or, or all the stuff, or they say, you know, when I needed help, when my plumbing went out and I couldn't call a plumber, Brother Davis came over and he fixed my plumbing and he walked away. Didn't wait for me to say I really ain't got no money. When I really needed a lift to the doctor, I didn't have to ask. I didn't have to ask. My sister came over and gave me a lift to the doctor. When I lost my spouse, I didn't have to ask my brother, my sister to come and sit with me. They just came. I didn't have to say, and I didn't hear anybody say, call me if you need me, because people who respond to God know when there's a need and they feel it. I don't like the words, call me if you need me. I've said it, then I thought about how crazy it was. Just do it, just go. It, live a life that people know, they don't have to, you don't have to say that to them, they know they can call you and say, Sister Jones, Brother Johnson, uh, I'm here and I just need somebody to talk to. Responding to God says that I know God and ultimately it says, I know myself. When you respond to God, you understand and know what you're able to do, what your gifts are, and how you'll use those gifts. You, you know, my family laughs and my church family laughs because they know I don't have any musical ability. And when I go crazy and attempt to sing, there are people who, can, who know better. I remember when Easter, when I got so happy, I grabbed the mic and the poor little, choir director, but almost lost her wrist trying to keep me from grabbing that mic. And my kids was just sitting there, oh Lord, no daddy, no, don't do it. You know, sometimes our gifts, what we want to do, it doesn't fit. If you can't sing, don't get in the choir. If you don't like folk that much, don't be an usher. You go in the kitchen and cook or do something else. But you got gifts and graces that can be used from God. You have to know who you are. And have to know the passion that you bring to that particular endeavor. And when you match your gifts, what God has called you to do, you can do anything. You can do great things for God. And the challenge for us is we will continue doing great things for God and never retire. Don't, don't, don't retire and use that lame line that I've heard all around the world. I'm retired. I don't do anything now. I'm not the truth is, most people who use that line hadn't done anything ever anyway. 
You know, I realize that you, if you talk kids for 40 years, yeah, you probably are drained and maybe not want to do that, but you can do something else. But there are too many folks say, well, I, you let the young folk have it. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to do anything. And when I look back over the record, well, I don't find a record of anything that you have done. What will your obituary say about you? Maybe all it needs to say is that he or she was a kind child of God who lived to make the world a better place. He or she left the world better than they found it. People were glad that you lived among them. People were glad that you loved them. And above all, people are glad that they were able to see the Christ in you. They weren't whining. You didn't live a life like the people in the desert whining and complaining. Didn't live a life like you don't know where power comes from. You realize that your ultimate power comes from God, the God that we love and the God that we serve. My mother sent me, uh, used to make me go to the store to buy my aunt snuff. Lord, I hated to go in that woman's house. I didn't like the smell of stuff, snuff. I didn't like the way she dipped the stuff. She, I went in there one day and, and knocked over her spit cup and she had a sadistic look because I knew who was going to clean it up. And I'm still in therapy for cleaning up that snuff cup. But one particular day I went there and I didn't know that was week of, she was dying. She sat me down and I love tea cakes. She had made me a tin of tea cakes. And she said to me, I have a letter in the top dresser drawer. You make sure that you tell your mama to take that letter out when I'm gone. And I'm thinking, gone where? When I'm gone. And then she hugged me and gave me a snuff kiss and said, thank you for all you've done for me. But in short, that letter was my mother's instructions for all the property, whatever she owned, to do with it to help somebody else. I saw this woman as a snuff dipping uh, woman who got on my nerves. But what I didn't know was the depth of her love for humanity and didn't know that she lived a frugal life saving up so kids could go to school, so kids could get braces, so kids, whatever children needed, she had saved her money and living modestly. And she <laughs> left a card that says, I have been called by God to do what I've done. You may judge me. You may dislike what I've done. You may approve it. But at the end of the day, I'll follow Jesus. Can we say at the end of the day, where you dip snuff or drink 40s, <laughs> whatever you do, can you say at the end of the day, my life has mattered because I follow Jesus and I care about people. The United Methodist men, their motto basically is, if I can help somebody as I travel along God's way. They don't just say it, they do it. The text talks about a man had two sons and one son, and my, they're almost like my children, my daughter, but if I said, Angela, do this, she's screaming, yelling, why I gotta do it, daddy? My son would say, yes, sir, and not do it. <laughs> 
The Texans are like that. One ran in and raved, but they did it. One said yes and didn't do it. The point to the story is we don't need your talk. We need your action. Your talk might not even match your walk. One said, I won't do it. But at the end, he thought about it and did it. At the end of the day, we need you to act. And the United Methodist men have shown us that actions speak louder than words. Praise be to God for a legacy of servanthood and a legacy of life. In Jesus' name, amen. We follow you. We desperately want to follow you. We give thanks for United Methodist men who've shown us the way. Give thanks for United Methodist women, all organizations. Give thanks for the church. You've shown us what the cross represents and means. Now, Lord, if there are those on Facebook who've heard the message and need to respond, then they can get in touch with our church. Get in touch with me as a pastor. And we'll continue this journey of dialogue and introduction to the kingdom. Something we're pleased to do, something we welcome. For those who will continue on, if been at home and heard the word and you want to recommit your life or you want to say you haven't said yes yet, then doing the uh, uh, glory sightings, you have the ability and, and, and the time to do that. But above all, oh God, we give thanks for your on our lives. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen.